So special about Kansas City, the Kansas City Royals, the Kansas City Chiefs? Not quite, Not quite, quite. I'm Fox 8 meteorologist A.J. Colby here to tell you that the most special element is a name that everyone, everyone knows, knows, at least in Kansas City. Meteorologist Brian Busby. He's Andre's special guest. Today on Weather Jack. Weather Jack. Weather Jack. Welcome to Weather Jazz, a world audience podcast about anything and everything weather, science, earth science, and a whole lot more, especially on Open Line Friday. I'm your host and the creator of the Weather Jazz podcast, Andre Bernier, and I'm the senior meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio. This is episode number 219 for Friday, July the 23rd, 2021. Well, back in the early 1980s, I transitioned from my first television weather job in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, to being on the launch team of the Weather Channel in Atlanta, Georgia. Those early debut years were quite special. I worked with an amazing team of meteorologists from across the nation, all striving toward the common goal of being the USA's best source of weather information. Periodically, as positions opened up, we would see candidates flown in for interviews. I remember one in particular. His name? Brian Busby. We're both about the same age, so back then we were both essentially trying to become established television meteorologists. While Brian decided to pursue another avenue apart from the Weather Channel, we periodically remained in touch, many times meeting up at meteorological conferences. Fast forward to 1988, the year I joined WJW Television in Cleveland. In addition to conferences, I began seeing Brian return home to visit his family in Northeast Ohio, where he was born and raised. For the past 35 years, Brian has enjoyed a very long tenure as chief meteorologist at KMBC in Kansas City, Missouri. Brian has essentially endeared Kansas City in the very same way that Dick Goddard, longtime Cleveland television meteorologist, did in Northeast Ohio for 50 years. It's no surprise that Dick Goddard encouraged a very young Brian Busby to pursue his dream. Brian was in town a few weeks ago to visit with his family, and he was kind enough to spend a few minutes with me to talk about the profession that we both love. Brian, so good to see you. Likewise, my friend. How you been? I've been great. It's been a long time since we've actually seen each other. Uh, I think uh, Cheers was still on the air. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> but it's been a little while, but still, I still remember like it was yesterday Uh-oh. when we first met. And that, that really did seem like, really, it was like how long ago? It was the early 1980s when I came down to interview for the Weather Channel, and you were... One of the first. Mm-hmm. 
meteorologist on that new venture that nobody knew about. But yeah, I was down to Atlanta. And I think it was a Brian Durston, you who took me out to lunch, or maybe it was Dennis Miller. I don't remember, but. Some wow, Vince Miller, yeah. and mm-hmm. wow. Anyway, that was uh, that was a little ways back, but we we really enjoyed your company, and and uh, we know that your life went in a different direction. You decided to stay in St. Louis because now, first of all, we have to establish the fact that you're from Northeast Ohio, but you went to school at uh, St. Louis University. Correct. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. I'm from the East Side in the Glenville area. Mm-hmm. I went to high school at university school out in Pepper Pike and uh, then decided to go to St. Louis University. And I know you're probably going to ask, why not Ohio State? Why not Michigan, which are closer and have good meteorology departments? When you're the baby of two and you're 17 as a freshman in college, you want to get as far away from the parents as possible. (laughs) So I chose, for that very reason, St. Louis University. Well, one of our meteorologists, Scott Sable, went there for his degree, and he was one of my interns. Uh, And, of course, he works now in the morning show long established uh, as the morning meteorologist now so you're in good company we've we've got somebody here from that school and uh, did you ever have to ask him what a billiken was now you're going to have to ask (laughs) you're going to have to tell me what this is it's the mascot okay this is like the wildcats or you know the falcons no it's a billiken and it's a fictitious little good luck charm imp that's what a billiken is, and that's what the school's mascot is. My brain was going because I was thinking, is this, you know, some new species or something? <laughs> <laughs> not quite. Not quite. So you went to a school in St. Louis, and you started working in television in St. Louis before going to Kansas City. Uh, this is true. Um, back in the late 70s, so yes, I'm dating myself, I was a freshman at St. Louis University. And as you know, as a meteorology major, usually the meteorology majors want to go with that. National Weather Service, Mm -hmm. Storm Prediction Center, um, Hurricane Center, not necessarily broadcasting because some broadcast or some meteorology majors view broadcasting as not really science, which is unfortunate and certainly not true. But because we don't talk the language, we don't talk the jargon, Mm -hmm. a lot of meteorology majors don't like it. All this to say, it took the station, or not the station, it took the... um, college, the university, three years to come up with a internship at a TV station, but no upperclassmen wanted it because it was at a TV station. Wow. So they begged a first semester freshman. Mm-hmm. Three days before my 18th birthday, they put me on the air because as you were talking about, back in those days, not all stations had a weekend newscast. They had the network mm-hmm. on Saturdays and Sundays. Well, they were going to start a 15-minute newscast after Tom Gerald, who was the anchor on ABC, and then 15 minutes local. And they had one of the reporters as the anchor, and they had the sports reporter, but there's no such thing as a weather reporter. So they said, well, let's put the intern on. And so, yeah, I started uh, freshman year and stayed in St. Louis until I went to Kansas City back in 1985, and I've been in Kansas City since then. That is a very, very long tenure for any television personality. And uh, did you have any inclination that once you moved to Kansas City that you would be there for your career? No, not really. You know, I thought that um, I would move up the ladder to bigger markets. Back in 1998, I was a finalist to be considered for Good Morning America. Mm -hmm. So my trajectory, I thought, was going to go spend some time in Kansas City, maybe get to a bigger market, and then make the jump to network Mm -hmm. to be 
the local, or in that case, the national weather guy. Um, but that would have probably been the only thing I really would want to leave for. Um, there were certainly opportunities in top ten markets who were looking at me, but nothing really seemed right, mm-hmm. you know. And things happen for a reason. And so, yeah, I've just been staying put in Kansas City. And as a meteorologist, it's pretty competitive. And it's pretty, uh, what's the best way to say it? Challenging and surprising sometimes, yeah. too. It's like, oh, where'd that come from? <laughs> <laughs> What is your probably uh, and and I almost hate to ask this, but I'll I'll do a precursor by saying I've had one of these moments. We've all had one of these moments. Okay. What is the worst uh, blown forecast that you can think of? Mine was, and I'll tell you, mine. Mine was in Iowa. Mm-hmm. And we were looking at the Kavoris radar when Kavoris radar was new. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a growing pattern of ground clutter. And it was a clear night. And I said, look at this, a growing pattern of ground clutter. Don't worry about it. It's going to be a clear night. And the meteorologist, the chief, called me up. He said, have you looked out the window? <laughs> <laughs> I know I said, where this is going. I said, no. He says, I tell you what, look out the window and call me back. <laughs> and it was just continuous lightning. And I thought, what's that? And he goes, welcome to Iowa. Welcome to the land of the nocturnal thunderstorm. Mm. And so I got indoctrinated with... with uh, by getting really wet and wanting to go home <laughs> at that point. And that was my worst. Do you remember anything like that? Of course not. It's never happened to me at all. I don't know what you're talking okay, about. Okay, next question. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, probably too numerous to mention, but usually it's the ones that are hinged upon with a huge outdoor event of some sort. Oh, yes, sure. And I remember... Maybe a St. Patrick's Day parade, I thought, would not snow. <laughs> it did. It did. And so when people are seeing the forecast mm-hmm. and you're still going for, oh, it'll be part. It starts off sunny. OK, it'll be mostly sunny. It'll be partly cloudy. It'll be cloudy. Still never committed to snow, mm-hmm. even two mm-hmm. days out. Mm-hmm. And it snowed. So there you go. However, there are some wonderful, wonderful stories about something in your gut saying you should go in a particular direction for forecast Mm -hmm. uh, and you did uh, many many more stories like that but uh, you were probably have those somewhat often oh yeah every once in a while if you've been in a market for a while and you kind of have this the sixth sense yeah and and you look at the data you look at the models and it's still just a number Mm -hmm. and the number is either on or off it's binary where you still got to have the human element to say but i I've seen something similar to this, and I bet you that, for example, there was a snowstorm that none of the models picked up on, Mm -hmm. and I saw a cyclone that was developing that I thought was going to deepen, and it did, and I was going for 48 inches of snow, and I don't think anybody else in town was, and it just so happened that it did, and even one of the guys, lead forecaster at the National Weather Service, said, hey, we didn't see it, good call, good hunch. Mm -hmm. So it happens. It does. The business is changing, as you know, all businesses change mm-hmm. with time. Uh, but we've seen a lot of change uh, in media, meteorology. Uh, it's an exciting field to be in. But what kind of advice are you giving your interns nowadays? Now, you've had quite a few interns mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of very successful stories from them, too. It's been fun to watch. Mm-hmm. But has the advice changed over your tenure? Oh, gosh, yes. Um, I would say... 
to, if you are going to go into broadcasting, um, take some writing courses. Uh, I mean, I think that's always been there to to at least go to J school or at least take some some journalism writing because we have to put it on the web now. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we have to put our weather story for mm-hmm. other people to see, other than tuning in at you know our our newscasts. I also tell them if you can do some sort of coding to learn, whether it be HD or I was going to say HDMI. If you're going to learn uh, HDMI. Was it HTML? HTML or yeah. Perl or all right. those all those new ones, yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, because way back in the day. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because that's now part of our job. Yep. When we first got into broadcasting, you're probably the same way. It was magnets. Mm-hmm. Or in our case, uh, watching Dick Goddard growing up, it was paint and magnets. And he was very good at it with only a national map and a state map and then the forecast. Yep. But now it's like showing satellite, not just a picture, taken at noon. And then trying to craft a weather story and too often than not I think the meteorologists who are in this field who are just getting in this field don't know how to talk plain mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is Andre I feel much more comfortable going to a doctor I see his diploma in his office but I feel much more comfortable if he can break down what I have going on mm-hmm. not the Latin he learned in med school because if he just said oh you, you know your tibia blah 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 well you broke your arm oh okay there you go <laughs> makes right. it so right. why should we say mesoscale convective complex without explaining what a mesoscale convective complex is? And mm-hmm. I tell my interns, every time you come up for air or with a pause, you should ask yourself, your audience is saying to the TV, so why should I care? Mm-hmm. High pressure is moving off to the east. Why should I care? Because it's going to allow this cold front to move through. Why should I care? Because it's giving us rain tomorrow. Ah, okay. Bingo. Don't bury the lead. Yeah. We're going to have rain tomorrow. And that's the other thing. I put the effect before the cause. Mm. We're going to get rain because of this cold front. I don't structure the sentence cold front, then rain. Because mm-hmm. more people can relate to rain than this blue line with triangles on it. You also did something we were talking before the interview mm. that I thought was very interesting and made it a part of your education in the fact mm. that uh, frequently we'll look at uh, television meteorologists and and say, wow, that map looks hideous. <laughs> uh, you know, what is he trying to say or what is she trying to say? Right. Um, but you did you took a course which makes a lot of sense. Tell me about that course and and what it did for you. Okay. It was color theory. It was the, the philosophy behind colors um, because there's certain colors that just go together, mm-hmm. complementary. And there's certain colors that you should not blend, <laughs> if at all possible. Mm-hmm. The, and so my philosophy as far as when I put together a weather cast, uh, I put it together past, present, future. Mm-hmm. So I can start East Coast, middle of the country, and then this is what's coming next. But I also try to organize it in that you should be able to glean what I'm predicting with the volume turned down while you're on the treadmill mm. at 24-hour fitness with the, the graphic just up there. It should be so self-explanatory and so clean. Right. So you don't want to put too many numbers on it. You don't want to put too many symbols on it. You don't want to put too many moving arrows. It should be so clean that they can follow you. And you want to do that because you want them to give you credit the next day that, oh yeah, Andre did say that last night, as opposed to, what was he saying last night? Mm-hmm. So yeah, taking color theory and just understanding which colors are soothing, which colors make sense. Because, I mean, if we're talking hot weather, you're not going to use blue. 
Right. You know, if you're yeah. talking cold conditions, you're not going to use orange. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just those sort of inherent things. And, you know, um, one thing that we did in Kansas City that I would love to um, have other stations do across the country now that I'm on the board of the National Weather Association, I'm going to spend those next three years trying to put this in, is that I think all stations should have uniform colors on the little bug in the corner of the screen. Because if you are flipping from one station to the other, sometimes you may see a tornado watch in red on this station, mm-hmm. but see it in purple on this one, or see it in pink on that one. And, right. and I mean, imagine if everybody had a different traffic light, where red <laughs> only meant stop oh. in Cuyahoga County, but you go to Huron, and it's yep. another color. So why don't we make everything uniform and it just makes sense to me that we should and I know other stations fight it and other art directors fight it but I still think and of course the weather apps and the other I mean it's, it's a huge problem I don't know how to bring everybody into the corral but I'm going to try that sounds like a winner, and uh, you can count on my support. Let me know uh, when you get the ball rolling, and, and I'll push the ball with you. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. And you're you're in town visiting with your dad, and this is the first time you've had a chance to visit with him for, for a while. Yeah, because of the pandemic right. and because um, the station really kept me in a real tight bubble. Mm. Because they did not want to take any chance that their chief meteorologist would have to be quarantined sitting on the sidelines during tornado season, which oh. makes perfect sense. Sure. So, you know, school visits went away, rotary clubs, nursing homes, Kiwanis, rotary, all that stuff right away. Yep. And um, so I was supposed to see Pops um, 4th of July last year, but that was still at the height and before vaccinations, and so I didn't. And so this was my first opportunity, my first flight here to Cleveland, and uh, it was great spending time with Pops, and uh, 94. That's awesome. And for me to be as old as I am, to have both my parents still alive Mm -hmm. is pretty rare, Mm -hmm. and so I'm savoring it. Took a lot of pictures, probably took too many pictures, but never enough. Never enough, Ryan. Exactly. So that was my reason for coming in, and it was Mm -hmm. so good just to see him, and I could tell he was happy to see me as opposed to just hearing my voice Mm -hmm. on a a speakerphone. And so I I think that things are starting to get closer to a bit of normalcy, Mm -hmm. and that'd be nice, and uh, maybe we can turn the corner a little bit, but yeah, that's why I was in town, just, just seeing family. And, and you carved out time to come and, and spend a little time with us and, and AJ. You know AJ. And yeah. so uh, we appreciate the fact that, that uh, you went and did that because we know time is of the essence. It is. But, you know, I would not be where I am if it weren't for this gentleman who took a chance answering a kid's letter way back in the 60s mm-hmm. about what caused thunder because he's deathly afraid of a thunderstorm uh-huh. on July 4th, 1960. 69. Yes, sure. <laughs> and this one guy wrote me back mm-hmm. and invited me down to the station. Mm-hmm. And I would go down to the station every year from third grade up till senior in high school. Wow. And I was toying between either becoming a professional musician, playing in an orchestra, or being a TV meteorologist. And I told Mr. Goddard, I finally made up my mind. I'm going to go into TV meteorology. You've been very nice to me all these years. How can I pay you back? And you know his wry sense of humor. So he said, well, well I'll tell you, Brian. <laughs> if, you're, if you get lucky in this business, some young man or some young lady will call you five minutes before you're due on TV. And he stopped. He didn't say a word. And he just looked at me. And I said, did I do that to you? He said, yep. 
So just pay it forward. So that's why every time a kid writes me a letter or mm -hmm. there's somebody who's going into meteorology is writing me, I will at least take the time to tell them, like you said, what they should take, how they should get in the business, what they can expect in the business because it is changing. And I would not be here if it weren't for the man who took his, his time with me. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much. My pleasure, sir. It is always just a wonderful time getting together with my friend and colleague, Brian Busby, now in Kansas City for well over three decades from Northeast Ohio. So we shared that common bond. And of course, we share the common bond of the legendary Dick Goddard. Coming up a little bit later on in the month of August, I will be Brian's guest on his Zoom call and Facebook page. And we chat about a lot of things, including when we first met at the Weather Channel, along with philosophies of broadcasting that were taught by Dick Goddard and still have influence and propagate today. I hope you enjoyed today's Open Line Friday episode. Help me to spread the word about this podcast inside your sphere of influence on social media, by email, by word of mouth, over the fence, as I like to say, face to face. And now on Friday, I always give special thanks to those of you that continue to partner to support Weather Jazz to keep it going. They are in no particular order from Tennessee, Andrea Rich, from Florida, Bill Martin, from Ohio, Dale Osborne, Will and Tonya Kraus and family, Christine Barnes and Rose Moore, and from Vermont, Victoria Singer. I'd love to add your name to that list, and it's easy to become a supporter. You'll find the links at the very top of weatherjazz.com. Just click on supporters, and you can see the list that make this program possible so that I can expand a lot of the benefits of listening to this podcast. For instance, one of them is the Weather Jazz Podcast Audience Connect Line. It is your way to connect with me via a telephone line. You can leave your message. You can leave your questions, your topic suggestions, or even just to say hello. Let me know how it is you listen to Weather Jazz. So give me a call sometime. It is 234-525-5888. Again, it's 234-525-5888. Eight. And just in case that's too fast or you're listening to Weather Jazz in the car or on a run, no need to worry. Just go to weatherjazz.com whenever you have a chance and click on the contact button at the very top. And all of that information will be available to you, including my email address, which is weatherjazz at yahoo.com. If you are listening to Weather Jazz via one of the many podcast apps available, remember to subscribe so that you can automatically download every episode as I make them available, typically Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And if you're in the Cleveland, Ohio area, or you plan to visit or simply traveling through, you can catch my 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. weekday weather segments on WJW Television, Fox 8, or even online, live at fox8.com. I am taking a summer break, a one-week summer break from weather jazz, unless there is some really heavy-hitting weather news that we need to talk about. I'm going to take next week off, but I will return one week 
from Monday with a brand new episode right here on Weather Jazz. Weather and science across the globe.